This is Coach Kurt Signetti from JMU, and you are listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounded like a lot of fun. I've talked a lot about how proud I am of our conference and where we've gone and being a part of it. Um, you know, I was here as a player whenever nobody, everybody wanted to get out of it. You know, we had one bowl tie-in. Um, you know, we finished bowl eligible three out of four years that I played here and didn't get a bowl game because we didn't have any tie-ins. Nobody really wanted our teams in the bowl games to a point now where people want to be in our conference. It's a great conference with great coaches, with great players. Um, and I think for 12 of our teams to be bowl eligible, I think that speaks to the, I think it speaks to the caliber of play in the conference. Um, from my standpoint, the only thing I cared about was my boys getting to play in a bowl game, um, and that's all that I really cared about. And I'm I'm thrilled for them because uh, I certainly wasn't ready for it to be over. Um, not with this group, man. It's 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 a blessing when you get to go to work every day, and be happy to walk through the door, no matter what time that is. Um, and, and we have a group that makes it a lot of fun to do that. Raging Cajun head coach Mike DeZormo brings us into this week talking about how the Sun Belt has come a long way from his playing days where everyone wanted out of the league, but now we're looking at 12 of 14 teams headed into the postseason, including the teams that are ineligible, like Shane <laughs> Metlin's JMU. I'm Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report. Jeremy Harper of HowRazor.com joins me with the infamous Shane Metlin of James Madison. How are we doing, guys? As the final week came down, we got 12 of 14 teams going to the postseason. A lot of 6-6 six and six teams, but hey, it counts. Shane, your team's going to the to, to a bowl game, right? That's what I've heard. And, and, and Arkansas State's going to a bowl game. It's like... Everybody from the Sun Belt's going to the bowl game. It's crazy, Dusty, that everybody's going to a bowl game from the Sun Belt. Oh, except except two teams, and one of those is ULF. Wow, that's embarrassing. This is awkward, Dusty. And that's why there's also a coaching search on the Bayou and the lone opening right now, right now, yeah. in the Sun Belt Conference as the Warhawks look for a new leader after they dismissed the infamous gold pimp daddy himself, Terry Bowden. So what do you think? Now, was Terry Bowden treated unfairly in this? Yes, five conference wins in his tenure. Not a whole lot of wins outside of that, but building up a program seemed to be kind of doing that. But I, you know, I'm an outside looking in, Dusty. Was he treated unfairly or was it like, hey, we're ULM and even we have standards? He definitely got screwed, but you know what? You, you got to roll with the punches, right? Yes, yep. that first year when we had Daddy Ball and an offensive coordinator that wanted to play his son over the more talented quarterback. Yeah, I remember Even that. when he was injured and didn't know how to run the offense correctly, mm -hmm. that cost us several games. In addition yep. to that, after that season, said offensive coordinator ran off, taking a did. head coaching job and over half the staff and about a quarter of the roster. <laughs> And so what does that mean? Well, that means that you better get off your ass and go hit the portal and replace those players 
and use your family lineage and coaching connections to get even better coaches on the bayou. And while that did happen somewhat with the coaching, I don't see where the talent was really brought in out of the portal to make the immediate impact that was really needed to save his job. Yeah. You know what? I, I kind of, Dusty in the end, I kind of agreed with that. You know, we all wanted Terry Bowden to succeed because Terry Bowden is a, a character coach, a guy who's just kind of fun to listen to, a guy who tells great stories, perhaps even a good X's and O's guys, but maybe just not the right fit for ULM or for the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt is for, for hungry, talented, new wave coaches, and maybe Terry Bowden just wasn't it. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, kind of with you. I mean, you look around the Sun Belt, there's a lot of young guys, like relatively young for head coaches, or you know, even even a Kurt Signetti's up there in years, but you wouldn't guess it by looking at him, looking at the energy level, things like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges at ULM. And I was about to ask Dusty, you know, what he thinks it has got to be the strategy there. What, what are you looking for in a new coach? Because, like you said, I mean, Terry Bowden, his track record speaks for itself, you know, maybe not a hall of famer, but he's one <laughs> at other places. So, you know, there's gotta be a reason why it didn't work out there. Do we need to put the pimp in the hall of fame t-shirt? <laughs> I think that would help. Yeah. I mean, athletic director, John Hartwell had a press conference on Monday and, and really kind of outlined what he wants. He wants a young up-and-comer, but somebody with really energy and the juice to excite the fan base, excite the team, to, to really be the face of this program as they try to right the ship and get things going. While I don't know who exactly that is that that is uh, the leading candidate, I did get a shout-out in the press conference. Thank you, Dr. Hartwell. Um <laughs> We we have to really make sure that this is the right hire because it's very much at a crossroads. And, and and we say that every time when there's a coaching hire on the bayou. But I, I have a lot of faith in the process and in Hartwell. You look at what he did when he brought in Missy Bildeback, the women's basketball coach. Warhawks are, are on fire right now on the court. They go to the dreaded Louisiana Tech and Thomas Assembly Center on Wednesday night. So looking for that big i20 win in rivalry game so all that to say i don't know who it is but it's got to be somebody that is uh hungry to win and ready to roll up the sleeves and get to work i have one penetrating question dusty and perhaps only you can answer it i'm waiting <laughs> <laughs> So there was a picture that, or some video put out of Hartwell discussing, you know, the future of of the program and who they were looking for and all that. But in front of the podium, in front of the lectern, there's this enormous sectional couch. Very comfortable couch, by the way. <laughs> what? What is? How the... would you know? It didn't look like anybody was allowed to sit on it. <laughs> oh yeah, so I sit on that every conference, every press conference I'm at. Yeah. What happens? The, the, it was the, empty when I saw it. Yeah, the it's press the, guys the players lounge. Posing up on the couch with a glass of brandy and listen to whoever's at the podium. It's it, it's it's the players lounge slash media room. Okay. And, and what would you rather have? Everyone standing around behind the couch, kind of being respectful, or the guy that's like 
pulling out the good old Al Bundy, lounging on the couch with his hand down his pants as, as he's asking a question. I'm just going to say it. It looks like a Louisiana orgy couch. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like going on during the press conferences when we're not What looking. kind of weird well, things <laughs> happen in Jonesboro? Now I don't want to mention that I thought it looked like uh, Coach Richard was kind of creeping in the background there, just kind of watching the uh, – <laughs> He's like, uh, I think we had – we had scheduled time for the couch guys. <laughs> uh, only you, Jeremy. <laughs> On that note, I know that you're really excited to recap the final weekend of Sunbelt Conference action. Mm. But before we do that, I know that Shane is excited Ooh. that his Delaware Blue Hens are headed into the true <laughs> America's wow. Conference of Conference USA spanning the glow from Las Cruces, New Mexico, through wherever the hell the University of uh, Delaware is. It's in Newark, Delaware. I actually spent, uh, you might have been joking, but I actually spent Thanksgiving with a good number of Delaware alums. So, um, Were they excited about joining Conference USA? Do they know any of the members? It did not come up. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So you're saying that the fan base is not yeah. excited about their they, I don't know if they saw it coming. I, I will say this. So my father-in-law is a Delaware alum, as okay. is a lot of that family. Sure. Um, <clears throat> many years ago, I would be around him on a Saturday, and he would have the Blue Hens on TV and pay attention to what they were doing and care about what they were doing. And that's it's been some years since he's really cared. Uh, so maybe that's a good reason for moving up, because uh, I think maybe they've lost a good portion of their fan base. I will say this. I feel like CUSA, I'm not going to say scraping the bottom of the barrel because that's just not fair to Delaware, you know, or any of these. But it's got to the point where CUSA is just sort of saying, hey, we just got to fill up, fill up this roster or fill up our lineup here. And it, to me, the more of these programs we put in, the more ammunition it just gives the Power Five to say, look at what's coming in. We got. We definitely have to have a a division that's us, and then the group of five, because the group of five's just taking anybody. Somebody has to say, "Listen, enough, CUSA. You either need to disband, or you just need to accept that you're like a nine-team league because you can't just be grabbing any FCS program that flashes a little cash." or might have a little bit of a fan base. Yeah, and I don't know if it's fair to lump Delaware or Jacksonville State no, in with those fair, but, but when you but when you when you also bring in a Kennesaw State with an 8,000 seat stadium and you know whatever else they have there, you, you bring in those programs they're talking about you know, you think about the list of teams that are getting mentioned for Conference USA. Like I it's not fair that all these other schools are getting lumped in with them. Yes. Yes. It's making us look bad, Shane. <laughs> we can't have that. But it's, it's, to me, it's no different than the early 2000s when we were forming the Sun Belt. And, you know, at the time, we were just kind of taking the riffraff, throwing it on the wall and see what stuck. I mean, we had Idaho, New Mexico State, Middle Tennessee, Arkansas State, ULM, Lafayette. We always knew Troy was going to be the first team to move up, which was everyone was actually excited about that. It took him a little bit longer. But North Texas also, I, for, I forgot about the good old Mean Green. 
but there was really no rhyme or reason to the league. It was literally who wants to be in a conference. We got you. Yeah, but I don't. I, I guess when the Sun Belt was formed, part of it was the sagacity to know that football was going to be the money driver, and that eventually you're going to have to form conferences around football. Like you, you couldn't just say, "Okay, we're just buddies and we're going to have a conference." You had to form it around football, and that's what the Sun Belt did. In fact, that's why we got rid of UA Little Rock and UT Arlington. It was like you guys don't fit the model anymore. And I don't. I, I think you have to be more careful now, because, because, because the money is so great, there are people in power that will do anything that they can do to protect their own. And the last thing they want to do is share any money with the Sam Houston's, Delaware, Kennesaw states of the world. They don't want to do it, and they're going to take action at some point and go. We want all the cash. And we're going to relegate the entire G5 into like a sub organization that gets nothing. Well, you guys take me back to those early days. You were, you were around, you were paying attention yeah, to me. Of. Like the different, the difference is okay. <laughs> back then it was a little rough. It was a yeah. lot of teams that had moved up, mm -hmm. but it seemed like the Sun Belt understood that they understood they had a lot of work to do. They understood. Yeah. We're not the sec. And bear Conference in mind, USA fans get so pissed if you try to insinuate, hey, these teams are a different level than, you know, you're not with us yet. <laughs> like, they get so I, mad. They're like, well, App State used to be FCS. Like, yeah, they, they were a long time ago, and they were really good when they were FCS, and they've moved up and had success. It's not the same as Tarleton State or whoever. Yeah, see, to me, some of the difference there, Shane, is our programs like JMU, uh, Georgia Southern, Appalachian State, those were three FCS programs that were ready to move up. You know, they were already dominating the competition. And now we're like bringing in a bunch of guys, or the group of five is bringing in a bunch of teams that aren't dominating. They might have a fan base, but they're not like this, 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 this powerhouse FCS programs that have created both a winning culture and a following. So this is where I'm getting worried about. And, and Dusty, you do make a point. Back in the early days of the Sun Belt, it was a Wild West group of people. But a lot of those programs had already been playing. I don't think we were calling it FBS program uh, football at the time, but we were. We were 1A independence. Yes. Like, for instance, uh, Arkansas State came out of the, uh, what was it? The Big West. <laughs> you know, that had Utah State. That had, uh, hell, Louisiana Tech, I think, was part of it. I think San Diego State was a part of it. The Big West was actually a really interesting group of, of, of programs. If you look back on it and go, wow, these guys were really good. Uh, they weren't good at the time, <laughs> but they're good now. So I guess what I'm just saying is that, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying, Dusty, that someday at Kennesaw State or Delaware State uh, or, you know, Sam Houston State, all these schools will one day, once they get that, that 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 higher uh, that money coming in and they're able to build a program and able to get the recruits yeah someday they can play at this level i'm just saying that maybe we've already reached a tipping point where we just don't have room for that anymore i think the jmu fans don't want turtle and state because they want to be the only purple team in the ncaa <laughs> that's probably it on that note we look at the finale of the Sunbelt Conference action. 
a lot of early games with Troy taking care of Southern Miss. Frank Gore walked for senior day festivities, even though he has one year of eligibility left. I think that was the bigger story of the game than anything else. Is Frank Gore coming back, or do you think he is going pro, or is he headed to the P5 to try to showcase his skills? Uh, you know what? I heard some announcers uh, during that game saying, yeah, he's probably going to go off to the next level, which I guess means NFL. Uh, uh, that's hard to say. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he rolls his, his name into the transfer portal and hopes he gets a big shot somewhere else. But quite frankly, if I were him, I'd be all NFL bound. Certainly would be nice to have all three options, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Which one do I take? Yeah, I mean, he seems to me like a guy who, if he doesn't come back to Southern Miss, it would make sense to probably put his name in both the NFL draft and portal and see maybe uh, maybe who's more more apt to come calling. By the I way, Southern Miss there. has at least five names in the Sun Belt portal right now, including Zach Wilkie, quarterback for for Southern Miss. Yeah, if you're Southern Miss, you got to wonder. You know, are these guys who were told we want to upgrade at these positions, or is this is is this you know an exit that exodus that you're worried about, or is this the sign of things getting better? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that works either. I don't, you know, it's, I think there are some players that you know, there's so much collusion or or or, or meddling right now amongst college football programs when it comes to grabbing, trying to poach people from other places. I wish if only we had a strong central organization that could police that an organization that maybe not everybody likes, but damn, it was fair. You know, something the that Teamsters uh, union. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A Teamsters union. That, that would be helpful, but somebody to say, listen, we got cracked down on this, but yes, that's another story. We'll yeah. start yelling about that some other time. There's like going just some sort of governing body over the yes. entirety of college sports. Well, yes, so maybe like it. a president who ran it or something. Yeah, and maybe he was paid a little too much, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah the Virginia could... State Legislature. No, no. Oh, okay. No, something, something. Maybe not of government, but maybe a governing body. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll ponder that as we move on to the game that we said was too weird to pick. It was. But we loved some good old monarchs in the game. And guess what, guys? The it game weird. lived up to the hype. <laughs> 25 to 4. What kind of 25, score was it? 25 24. <laughs> old Dominion does nothing in the first half. Nothing. Yeah. No. Then in the second half, they rattle off their 25 points, including 18 in the fourth. Make a solid defensive stand to get the win. Grant Wilson. 208, one pick, one touchdown. No shockers there. It it was it was weird. I mean, I I I don't know how else to say it other than it was just a weird, weird game. So weird, in fact. Jason Henderson only had four total tackles. What? That's not like him. But I'll tell you what, it was kind of fun on social media watching or looking at Georgia State fans go from Ah, finally a game that we can be proud of, too. Oh, my God, here it comes again. We're screwed. <laughs> I mean, well, we mentioned it earlier that right now ULM's the only opening 
in the Sun Belt. Are we surprised by that? I mean, especially after. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it, with with the the Sun Belt Georgias have been crazy. Once those two Georgia Southern Georgia State got to six wins, it's like we're done. We're not winning any more games. It's been absolutely nuts. Yeah, and Sean Elliott went from coach on a Hodge seat to maybe the most popular coach in all the Sun Belt, first to get to bowl eligibility. And then now it's like, what do we do with Sean Elliott? Yeah, it does, you, you mentioned the Georgia teams. There was like a time, wasn't there a week where we were like, well, if JMU's not eligible, which one of the Georgia teams is going to win the East? Like, they were the two yeah. most exciting teams in the East. <laughs> Completely collapsed. Yeah. I think Georgia is, what, Georgia, who's last? Is it Georgia Southern? Didn't they end up last in the, in the standings and Georgia State next to last? Or vice versa, <laughs> you know, it's just a huge, I don't know, falling of, off the cliff. The game that I was at, okay, it was a, a travesty of a game. Mm. I got stuck in the elevator, mm. and then the game began, and then it <laughs> ended very quickly with the Raging Cajuns just throwing all over the Warhawks, 52-21. Warhawks were able to get a scoop and score, defensive score. More importantly, I got one of the commemorative Cajun oh, Field nice. coasters as a parting gift for, I guess, being stuck in the elevator. Oh, very good. You know, I really, I think Shane's going to agree with me on this, really expected ULM to put up a bigger, bigger resistance in that game. In fact, I had money on this game that that would me happen. Me too. Because I felt good about it. I felt really good. On the good money line and the off. spread. <laughs> yeah, I did both of those. Lost both. Don't know what happened. Don't know if I really care. Glad that Louisiana, I guess, got, got the bowl bowl uh, eligibility. It took them too many times. But, yes, there they are. Yeah, I, w I was with you. It, it seemed like the kind of rivalry that's always going to be competitive and close, like even if the records don't say it should be. And No, that wasn't the case. Maybe that's why we talked about Terry Bowden the way we did to open this uh, show. Yeah. Maybe, yes, maybe the clues were right there in front of us, Shane, and we just didn't realize it. Chandler Field, another mm -hmm. great performance, 246, two touchdowns, went through senior day, has a year of eligibility left. Not sure what the future holds for him, but he wanted to go through senior day just in case he's not yeah. with the Cajuns next year. You know, I did notice that the Louisiana sports writers named him co-offensive player of the week. Well, yeah, somebody from LSU or the P5 has to win it every every week. Yeah, I, I don't know who was the other one, <laughs> but 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 he was he was one of them. He was one of two. Probably the guy that's going to get a really big trophy at the end of the year. Oh, okay. App State mm -hmm. won the East. Over yep. Georgia Southern, Joey Aguilar, 296, four touchdowns and a pick. Kane Roberts running up and down the field for 109 yards. Davis Brin, 238, no Ooh. touchdowns, three yeah. picks. Yes. Just another game for Brin. Yes, I think they were ready to throw Brin off the – or just dump him on the uh, – on the Appalachian Trail and, and leave him there to starve. I think everybody was a little tired of him at Georgia State or Georgia Southern. But I will say this. I'm going to brag about myself a little bit, guys. I was the only one among us 
who picked Appalachian State to win the, the Sun Belt East. And I picked that totally because I had no idea who was going to win the East. I just randomly picked Appalachian State. There was no skill, guys. It was just pure gut feeling that Sean Clark was not going to allow another mediocre season to have happened in Boone. Congratulations to Appalachian State. They win the division on their way to the championship. Good for them. Arkansas State, unable to get the, over the six-win mark yeah. as they went to Huntington and limped back with a 35-21 loss to the Huff Shuffle and Marshall. Jeremy, I know that you were watching this game closely. I was. How how good or how bad was Cam Fancher in his return? Throwing for three touchdowns and 214, but was it as, as good or as bad of a game as it Looks to a bit. Well, you know, I'm going to do a lot of juggling right here. Uh, just, I'm just going to preface this that I'm going to do a lot of excuse making right now. So Arkansas State entered the game with two of their defensive backs, uh, Justin. Uh, 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 I'm not even going to name the names. Two defensive backs, two of their starters out because they had been hit with targeting calls the game before. So they were out with that. They were also out with their starting center, Jacob Bear who woke up in Huntington that morning with something up, uh, in his throat. He There is some sort of obstruction going on. He couldn't breathe. He required surgery that morning. So he's back. He's going to be back for the bowl game, but he was unable to play that game. So already he got three very important pieces missing from the game. Uh, starting running back Zach Wallace, he was out with a bruised tailbone. He had a sore ass. So he wasn't able to play. So I think the combination of Bear having that 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 sort of emergency surgery, the two uh, uh, defensive backs being out for the first half, really contributed to that first half where I believe it was a 28-7 lead going into the half for for uh, for the herd. And Cam looked great, at least in that first half. He really did. He was running well. He was passing well. He was mostly just running well. I, it felt like Arkansas State kept forgetting that Fancher could run, but he looked healthy. He looked really good. All credit to the Thundering Herd. They played really well. Arkansas State played much better in the second half. It just wasn't enough. Congratulations to the Herd for picking up bowl eligibility. Yeah, I don't know if I'd knock Arkansas State too much for not game planning for Fancher running because he hadn't done it in over a month. <laughs> but, I, you know, I guess maybe the time off helped him a lot. Also, I think it's fortunate that game was played in Huntington where they have a hospital and not just vet Veterinary clinics. clinics. So, yeah, yeah, so oh, thank God. fantastic, fantastic uh, luck there. Yeah, Bear would have been put in some sort of animal stall, and I don't know what they would have done. But, yeah, he got world-class treatment in Huntington. Jeremy targeting. Yeah. If you, don't, if you do the crime, you got to do the time. Oh, I get it. I understand. In fact, Arkansas State hit with four targeting penalties the last two games. So somebody needs to teach these kids how to hit. Speaking of hitting, mm -hmm. the Dukes, mm. they were rolling the punches. They were mad. They went to the Till Field 56 14 winners over. Coastal Carolina, 
It was the Ethan Vasco show for the shots as he threw for 254 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fact that Jared Guest didn't play in this last game probably is why he already announced on t- the Twitter sphere or the X sphere that he's portaling out, Jeremy. Yeah, he's gone. He was like, uh, I see the future. The future is Vasco. He can run. He can throw. I can only throw. So I am throwing my name into the transfer portal pool. But yeah, Coastal Carolina does what they do every year at the end of the year when they have to play JMU. They just tank. They, they don't get it done. Coastal Carolina has no answer for James Madison and for their star quarterback. Whose name's so oh Jordan McLeod. <laughs> his name totally forgave me. Uh, he only had five touchdowns, Jeremy. It's it's oh, easy yeah. to forget his name. Yeah, and, and suddenly it's like, all right, we gotta name this guy the 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 MVP of the entire league, and he might have earned it. Yeah, I. It's it's unfortunate for Coastal they keep uh, getting Jamie at the end of the season. I think because you know they get him at that time where they're the most angry, both both times. Yeah. Um, with something to prove, something to go out on, like thinking, yeah, this is probably our last game, so we're going to put an exclamation point on it. And it's been. Unfortunate timing for Coastal, I think. I, I don't know if there's as much difference between the teams as the scores of those two games have shown, but you, you got to give JMU credit for uh, when, when they see that teal, they come out with the uh, red in their eyes. So, by the way, I put out a poll on the X, the Twix, asking who had the most entertaining arrogance in all the Sun Belt. I had. Let's see, listed in there, I had Troy. Although Troy insisted they weren't arrogant. I told them that insisting they weren't arrogant was arrogance, and they accepted that. And then I had ODU, and a lot of people are like, why ODU? I'm just like, because you guys are weird, and weird people are arrogant. And then I had uh, uh, Appalachian State, who, quite frankly, when they're winning, they just become arrogant. You know, they're just like, they start like talking to themselves as if they're if that's if they're the Alabamas of the world. Yeah, us and Alabama are the best. And JMU, though, was by far voted the most arrogant program in all the Sun Belt. Congratulations, Shane. You belong in the stratosphere of arrogance. There's our first award of the of the, the postseason. <laughs> I don't know if it's me though. I, I'm kind of persona non grata over there. So uh... this is arrogance. <laughs> But you know what's funny about it is that everybody from JMU just sort of accepted it. Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty arrogant right now. We're winning a lot of yeah. games, and and to me, arrogance isn't necessarily bad. I long for the days when Arkansas State can be arrogant again. I would want I want those days so bad. I can't. One day it's going to happen. And I'm going to be the most smug son of a bitch you've ever talked to. I'll be like talking about, you know, other programs around the nation and and assessing their strengths and weaknesses as though I have something to contribute to that conversation merely based on the fact that my football team's playing well. That's how I'm going to be. Yeah, I I, I do wonder if you ran that poll every three years or so, would the result just be the team that happens to have the best record at that point? (laughs) Yes, it will always be that group. But also this, you know, a lot of people are like, why isn't Coastal in this list? Why isn't Georgia Southern in this list? They're like, you know, they, they probably belong there. Coastal's the one that came to mind. I mean, I think if you go a back, lot of people you go like, back to uh, Coastal, not on this list. If you go back a couple of years, I think oh, they probably, probably had a good shot. 
The finale. The nightcap. Okay. The monkey is off the back of the Viva La Boobcats as they got win number seven, beating South Alabama 52-44. TJ Finley, all-time leading passing record holder in a single season for Texas State. He finished with 368, three touchdowns and a pick. Ran for negative nine yards. It was a complete performance for him. But the thing that I really was interested in was South Alabama. Okay. They played successfully, I might add, a two-quarterback system with Carter Bradley and Desmond Trotter both getting in the game, both right around the 200-yard mark. Desmond Trotter, though, four touchdowns on the night (laughs) while running for – What a name from the past. Yes. (laughs) And I can't help but wonder – while we're talking coaching carousel, mm-hmm. if Kane Womack isn't leaving the Sun Belt on a loss, knowing that that Indiana job opened up where he came from as the defensive coordinator. Well, I guess it would depend on, one, how much love did they have for him in Indiana? Because if they're going to look at this season, they might go, mm, I don't know if this guy is ready. I mean, let's face it, South Alabama, we'll talk about this in a little bit, Probably one of the most, one of the most, if not the most, disappointing teams in the Sun Belt this year. And you have to wonder, is it because of the governor, Kane Womack? Is there something going on with his leadership that isn't that he's somehow not leveraging the fullest potential of these players? I'm, it's hard to say. I mean, not being around them as much, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to know. But it, something this should not have been a six and six team. This has been eight to nine wins at minimum. And that's if things went wrong. Like, I mean, we expected it to be Troy and South Alabama coming down to the final play of the game. Didn't we in the West? Like, mm-hmm. and that's just Troy, Troy lived up to the billing and South Alabama didn't. And I, I don't really know why, because it seems like all the pieces were still there. Is it possible guys that the Sun Belt is so good apart from ULM and South and uh, Southern Miss, is <laughs> <laughs> that we're so good that we just beat up each other and then we all look a little bit mediocre and somehow Troy and JMU and to a somewhat lesser extent Appalachian State are bubbled to the surface? I think I think there's something to that. I mean, let's just look. Okay. The Big 12 mm-hmm. will get credit for beating each other up and handing all their good teams three, four losses. Yeah. And – who beat the team that's playing in the Big 12 championship game? Who beat their ass? Like, it's just not the Alabama team we're talking about. It's <laughs> and yet we still can't get any any Sun Belt team in the uh, in the college football playoff poll. But other than that, you know that's fine. We, I'm, I'm not going to bitch about that tonight. Dusty, I promise you, I'm going to bitch about something else. I'm not going to bitch about that. I doubt that. Well, maybe it's true because the season's over with. Yeah. I, what can I do? But guys, as we look back at the season, who do you is your coach of the year for all the Sunbelt Conference teams? Shane, I'll throw it to you first because I know who your homer pick will be. <laughs> it is who I, I did go with the homer pick uh, when we sent out our choices the other night. Um, I feel like I feel like Kurt Signetti, you know, there, there were expectations. They were picked to win the East, but I think people thought they'd win the East, maybe similar 
to the year before with, you know, an eight and three, eight and four type record, not, not 12, not 11 and one. They, the focus that JMU had week in, week out was remarkable. It was, it was unlike anything I've really seen from a college football team as long as I've been doing this. And that, that would be why he'd be my pick. Uh, there are other guys who I think are just as deserving. Um, you know, even, even, you know, just across the state, Ricky Ronnie, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about him in this discussion um, and ODU in another category, but you know, just, just the week in week out focus that JMU brought. Like, I think that's gotta be, you gotta point to the coaching staff for that. For sure. It, it, it's hard to argue against Kurt Signetti as, as coach of the year. I mean, the things he was able to do, able to get the big win of Virginia, kind of keep his team somewhat grounded except for on the college game day weekend. Um, but, you know, finishing the year 11 and one, that doesn't happen just on talent alone. That's definitely some coaching involved in there. My pick for coach of the year. If you're ready for it, Jeremy, I'm ready. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Okay. GJ Kenny. Yeah. Well, all right. Viva La Boomcat. Yeah. He takes a team completely rebuilds the roster in the offseason, able to open the season with that big win at Baylor. It seems like forever ago since that game happened, but able to really get the Boomcats going, got them to the seven wins, headed into the postseason. That's my pick for Coach of the Year after the miraculous job he did of getting his team to go diving in the river <laughs> and contenders in the Sunbelt West. You know, here's the thing I, I look at it, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, there's a little bit of a paradox. Coach Signetti really is the best coach in the Sun Belt. He, he just, he just seems to have everything buttoned down and under control uh, at James Madison. But I don't think anybody really expected much at all from G.J. Kenny at Texas State. This was a mulligan year for him. He could have gone like 1-11. and 11. And people are like, well, he's building the team. It's going to take some time. You know, he had a lot of, a lot of uh, obstacles to overcome, and instead, he turned out a seven and five season, and, and came away uh, second in the Sun Belt West. So, I, 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 as much as I'd like to just hand it to Signetti, and maybe it's it's unfair to Signetti, like he makes it look so easy because he makes it look so good. I felt like the, there were greater obstacles in front of GJ Kenny, and that's why I had to pick GJ Kenny. Plus, your riff with the athletic department at Texas State, you felt obligated <laughs> that you had to pick him this as they made to try to make my it riff. Even even that GJ Kenny managed to overcome even my annoyance with the Texas State athletic department. I think there's a lot of guys we could throw an honorable mention here. You know, Butch Jones, like, yeah. I, think, I think he deserves it. You know, the only we're one score away from saying the exact same things we said about Kurt Signetti about John Summerall. Like, sure. You know, I mean, th th there there was a lot of good coaching performances in the conference this year. Yeah, and after Sean Clark looked like he was about to get yeah. thrown on the boon. Uh, he pulled it all together and managed to rip off five straight wins. So, yeah, uh, I, thought, yeah. I honestly thought one of us would have him as her pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, and, and, and here's why I didn't pick Summerall, honestly. It was expected. I mean, yeah. he didn't yeah. do anything 
that was like, God, he went way above. He didn't really fall flat on his face. He went pretty much how we expected the season to yeah. go. Yep. This is, I'm saying though, like, you know, the JMU Troy game, it was a one score game. It goes the other way. And say the exact same thing about Summerall. Hey, he had his guys focused every week. They, they met the challenge. They had a target on their back and they, they just got the job done. And, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, you give him the award, but I think it's worth mentioning that it was a heck of a coaching job. For sure. So we move on from that. Offensive player of the year. Who is your fun belt Heisman Shane, since you are a Heisman Trophy <laughs> voter? Uh, I ended up going with Jordan McLeod. Um, I think he really won it here in the last few weeks. Um Three of the last four weeks of the season, he's the offensive player of the week and the Sun Belt. He's getting some national attention. His his numbers, you know, the only guy who's throwing for the same kind of yards and touchdowns and everything is Davis Brin, who we just talked about, you know, also cost his team a lot. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have said this midway through the season, but I think McLeod really came on to win this one late. Yeah, you know what's remarkable about McLeod? Is that he wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year? You know, what kind of big surprise went with who was who was the guy you guys went with? Who was, was the guy? Alonzo Barnett? Yeah, and didn't work out. And McLeod came up, stepped up, and put up a huge season. But you know, to me, I, I feel like this year was the year of the running back for the Sun Belt Dusty. The just so many great running backs this year, Marcus Carroll, uh, Mondi from uh from Texas State was outstanding. Uh, 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 Ali from uh, the herd, he was really great. I, I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and settle with with uh, with another running back. I think I'm going to go with Kamani Vidal. I feel like he was a guy who just kind of took over games. And if he played he played well, the team was going to score and make a lot of points. So my hats off is to Kamani Vidal. Vidal, Vidal, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but congratulations. He is my pick. So, so, Shane, or so Dusty, you're just going to have to settle it. Who is it going to be? You can't go wrong with Jordan McLeod. I yeah. mean, he was a real game changer on that offensive side for James Madison. I think kind of my second place vote, though, if I had to pick one, TJ Finley. He was mm -hmm. definitely the reason of the Bobcats' success on the offense. I'm Absolutely. sorry, Ismail Maldi, you were great. You played with a broken hand and still rushed like there was no tomorrow. But <laughs> if, if TJ Finley wasn't in the backfield slinging the ball, the the Boobcats would not have had the success that they had this year. So I think he was definitely the best player or most impactful player for his team. But without a doubt, Jordan McLeod, the best player in the Sun Belt completely. Ah. And on that note, we shift gears. Who's the best team in the league or the biggest uh, surprise team of the league, I should say? Ah, biggest surprise. That's different. <laughs> the biggest surprise team. Now, when you say surprise, do you mean surprise in a negative way? Like, gosh, they should have been better or surprise like, whoa, they came out of nowhere. Uh, definitely came out of nowhere because oh, we also have the biggest surprise. letdown team coming up next okay. year. Okay. Pleasant surprise. It's got to be ODU, right? I mean, we at the, at the beginning of the, the season – I mean, it was unanimously decided that the Monarchs were not going to be a very good team, not just in the Sun Belt East, but just in the Sun Belt in general, maybe in all of football, 
that they would be the worst team from the Sun Belt. And instead, they put up a six and six season, beat up some pretty good Sun Belt teams. Ricky Ronnie just doing his what he does at ODU, keeping it weird, working with a quarterback, what, from Fordham? We don't even know who he is. He just came out of nowhere, did his job. The defense was better than average. Hats off to ODU. You kept it weird, and you're my pleasant surprise. Yeah, my pleasant surprise. Definitely Old Dominion as well. They were weird. I have no idea how they won games. I have no idea how they lost games either. And I, I, I find myself watching them just scratching my head going, what are you going to do next? And so they were definitely the pleasant surprise of hitting six wins in my book. Yeah, I had ODU too. Um, you know, like I said last week, all the stuff we criticized them about, the reasons yes. we gave for picking them last, it's not like they totally addressed those. They still just no. found another way to win. Like, you know, so I mean, I think you got to give Ricky Ronnie credit. Like you said, it's they're sort of a strange team. I think, you know, it's a sign of things to come probably once they get some guys in that are going to run that offensive system. Cause I don't think the personnel they had was really built for, for that scheme. Um, I think, I think the future looks pretty bright there. Um, so yeah, they're, they're my pick too. I would give honorable mention to, you know, Texas state for Absolutely. a lot of similar reasons. And I mean, if we're going to go surprise, can we go, a surprise from hey this point in the season on and say maybe Arkansas State you know a surprise after what they did the first couple of weeks or yeah. App State how they turn things around like for sure know, I think they're they're worth mentioning in this category I think absolutely great big surprise and Coastal Carolina actually turned things around too so yeah a lot of a lot of teams that looked like they were dead either at the beginning of the season or part way through and somehow managed to turn in pretty good seasons. Biggest disappointing team. I got to go with Marshall. Marshall was my pick to win the East. Yeah. I felt that they had all the pieces in place. I was a buyer of Cam Fancher being at the quarterback position after talking with him at Sunbelt Conference Media Days. They had Rashida Lee coming back, uh, Owen Porter on the defensive side being the vocal leader. I thought everything was there for the Huff Shuffle to find his way atop the Sunbelt Conference East, but no. That's not what happened. They they limped along and struggled to get to the six-win mark. Glad they're there. Glad we get a little bit more heard in the postseason. But they are definitely my disappointment of the, the season. I, I'm not arguing with Marshall at all, but I think it's just a little bit similar, similar uh, argument, but more so for South Alabama. Mm. Just because, you know, we thought there was two teams to watch in the West, like <laughs> anybody could have won the East. Like, if you told me there's going to be all these six and six teams in the East, I'd be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, um, but we thought it was going to be Troy and South Alabama and everybody else mm -hmm. in the West. And we thought South Alabama was probably going to knock off Troy this year. And just like I said, we saw hints of what South Alabama was capable of. And then other times, just inex inexplicable losses. It, it's really hard, you know. Saw now I can't remember who it was that like tweeted recently, uh, but you know this was a team that could have been in the mix for that, you know, top twenty-five ranking and yeah. talked about for best G five team, 
if they'd have played to what they were capable of, and they just didn't. Yeah, and it all started with that loss to Tulane. And I tell you what, it, the thing with, with South Alabama, that to me, they weren't always – they weren't just going to be the best team in the West. They were, in my mind, the best team in all the Sun Belt. I just figured they had everything going, starting with Carter Bradley coming back. And he was kind of a disappointment. He didn't live up to his billing. So it was like just a lot of guys just not living up to their billing. But I'm not going to make them my most disappointing team, Dusty. The most disappointing team it was actually a team I picked to be disappointing, but didn't realize was going to be that disappointing. And that was Southern Miss. You know, they, they had the six and six season coming in. They had the all-star running back and Frank Gore. Yes, they had question marks at quarterback, but you thought under Will Hall that there was enough energy to really get that team motivated and going and pulling up some victories and causing more trouble and maybe even improving upon that six and six record. I saw some people say, well, well, they're they're gonna be the third or second best team in the Sun Belt West. Now they're just one of the two Sun Belt teams simply not playing for a bowl game. And that's pretty sad for Will Hall and Southern Miss. And that's a wrap on the football season, guys. Oh, wait, we have one more game. The Ooh. championship game with our Ooh. picks to come against Appalachian State traveling to Troy to close out the Ooh. regular season Sunbelt Conference game. Troy in their second straight appearance. App State making their third title game appearance. I'll tell you, I, I think App is the hotter team right now, but you're not going to go to Veterans Stadium and get a win over Summerall in a Sunbelt Conference title game. It's 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 Troy that, that rolls in this game. Yeah, you know what? My bet online team is Appalachian State for this, only because they're playing so hot right now. Joey Aguilar playing lights out. The defense playing much better than they've played all season. Sean Clark coaching like there's no tomorrow. So, yes, I feel very good about the Mountaineers. That said, Dusty, you're right. It's hard to play at Veterans Stadium in Troy and come away with a win. It's hard to play against John Sumrall, who I suspect might be playing for some uh, recognition for some cherry job somewhere else. This is just a hunch on my part. I don't have any inside information. You know, they've got Vidal, the, one of the most dynamic running backs. They've got a, a quarterback in Gunnar Watson, who I doubted at the end of the year. Mia Culpa, so sorry, Gunnar Watson, but Gunnar Watson played really well this year. They have a defense that should have been not as good as it was last year, was better than last year's defense. Somehow incredible. I, even though I put money on the Mountaineers, I'm thinking Troy wins this game. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys too. I, App State, they kind of had that team of destiny thing going the last few weeks to get to this point. But, you know, they, they've had, you know, emotional win at JMU. They just pound their most hated rival to end the regular season. And now they're, now they're going into a buzzsaw. That Troy's been so good. Troy's playing at home. They've got that advantage. Troy has all these guys who played in this game last year, which I think is also a big advantage. You know, I think App State's building something these last several weeks of the season. I think they're going to be right in the mix to be back there again next year. But if I have to pick just this one week for the championship game, a lot of things stack up in Troy's favor. All right. So that's three guys saying Troy. Yep. 
All right. All Troy all the time. <laughs> all Troy this So, time. guys, we bring in our final plugs, promos, and parting shot for the 2023 season. Shane, since you're the unofficial Sunbelt Eastern Division champion, please tell us your plug promo parting shot. Uh, I didn't even think about what this should be. So I'm just going to go promo. You can uh, <laughs> you can find my work, dnronline.com uh, slash sports. Read about you know JMU, all their various nationally ranked teams and NCAA tournament brown teams, so and all the things the all the things that make them so arrogant. You can read about the stuff at dnronline.com. Jeremy, what do you have for us? All right, let me. I'm going to start with a question. So, what? Who did we decide as a society who is profiting most? from student athletes who are the people profiting dusty who is profiting t-shirt makers all right shane who is profiting <laughs> i i'm not sure <laughs> it was the universities right yeah. yeah and then the broadcast people right like espn they were making money and the universities are making money and the merchandisers are making money and See, then t-shirt guys and I guess T-shirt guys, but they all these guys are making money hand over fist. Who wasn't making money, Dusty? Me, <laughs> Jane. Who wasn't making money? I feel like I'm sitting in a classroom and I wasn't prepared for the quiz. <laughs> I know it's a pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> the student athletes weren't making money, of course, right? yeah. And that's what the tragedy was, right? Yeah. All these people making money hand over fist. The poor students out there busting their ass perhaps even getting physical problems as a result. We're like, these people deserve some cash. And we all agreed that, yeah, because the system that we're in right now is screwed up. And it isn't fair that the people that are the product aren't being paid like the superstars. I get it. And I agreed. So what did we do to fix this? Did we say, let's go ahead and make sure the broadcasters and the merchandisers and the universities pony up and put up enough money to pay these people? No, we didn't decide those were the guys. Oh, God forbid that we cut into those profits. We turn to the one group of people that we could always count on to chip in money and bail out the programs, and that's the fans. Have you noticed? that all these NIL collectives are all about getting more money from the fans. So the fans can be the ones that pay the student athletes. It's not Adidas. It's not Nike. It's not, you know, the, the, the concession stand uh, vendors. It's not the universities. It's not ESPN or Fox putting money in the kitty. It's us how is it that we are always the ones that have to pay you use it as a tax write-off jeremy don't make it sound like you're not benefiting <laughs> my wife just texted me and said are you okay <laughs> <laughs> on that note though jeremy 
it's all about the welfare and the well-being of the student athletes. So okay. whenever a team travels, they typically get a chartered flight. They don't have to fly commercial for, yeah. for football. Sure. Or it's a short bus ride. However, things happen, right? There's flats on the bus. There's weather. For Nickel State, who had a great season this year in the Southland Conference, mm-hmm. went to the 1AA FCS playoffs to travel to Southern Illinois in Marion, Illinois. Mm. However, when they got there, there were plane issues forcing the Colonels to be stuck at the Marion, Illinois International Airport for 22 hours after getting beat 35 to nothing. So not only did you get beat, you can't escape. Nope. There were stories of them running out of food, running out of water, no beds, no cots. Jesus. But it's okay because they're just FCS and they're not moving up. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.